0: Hey Bankless Nation, we are doing something new on the Bankless Podcast today. For those that don't know, me and Anthony Cisano, every Friday, not every Friday, but a decent number of Fridays, we get together and just do an unscripted, impromptu live stream. Uh, And so you can always catch that Friday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, And me and and Anthony, we just talk about a bunch of Ethereum stuff. Uh, A lot of the Bankless Podcasts and, and live streams that you guys watch are very, we have an agenda, we have topics that we want to get through. This is the time to have just completely unscripted conversations about what's been going on in the week of Ethereum with David and Anthony of The Daily Guay. If you guys aren't listening to The Daily Guay, I highly recommend the YouTube channel and also the newsletter. Uh, and Anthony just puts out roughly like 30 minute long videos, just updating everyone about what's going on in the Ethereum ecosystem every single day. It's a fantastic resource. And that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to get closer with Anthony as a content producer with the Bankless podcast and Bankless uh, YouTube. And so that's why we do these weekly live streams. Uh, one time we brought on DC to, to chit chat uh, and, you know, in the moving forward into the future, maybe we will bring on other guests for just, you know, some Friday evening fun, Friday evening fun times. Uh, and and I think we're going to do more of that in the Bankless ecosystem. Me and uh, my buddy Michael Wong, chief culturalist over at Bankless, uh, we are we are chewing on something fun for some Friday evening entertainment. Um, But until that comes around, uh, just enjoy these weekly live streams with me and Anthony Cisano. And now we're putting them on the Bankless podcast as well for your weekend snacking. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was pretty fun. The theme this week was ETH uh, Layer 2 Summer, uh, and as well as the conversations around, is this a dead cat bounce or are we just in a stagnating bull market? Uh, so I hope you enjoy this conversation, but before we get into it, we have to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Balancer is DeFi's most powerful automated market maker. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indexes, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer Smart Pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions. Or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we used a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool. To top things off, Balancer is reimbursing gas costs with BAL rewards, meaning that your gas fees are reimbursed up to the cost of the transaction with the Balancer governance token. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the Balancer pools at
1: pools.balancer.exchange today. Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire and you should do it on Gemini. You already know Gemini is the world's most trusted crypto exchange, but now you can do even more than trade. You can earn. You can take one of your crypto assets and park it in an interest earning Gemini account where you can get up to 7.4% annualized. There's nothing more satisfying than earning passive income on an asset that you're already bullish on. This is a crypto native superpower. You know what's coming soon too? A Gemini crypto credit card. Yep, that's a credit card, not a debit card. It gives you rewards and hard money crypto assets, not something inflationary like airline miles or hotel points gives you up to 3% cash back in crypto. The card is coming in Q2, but you should get on the waiting list right now and we'll include a link. See what I mean? This is more than just trading. Gemini is your bridge to crypto for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at Gemini.com slash go bankless. Get $15 in Bitcoin after you trade your first $100. That's Gemini.com slash go bankless. What's up, Anthony?
2: Hey, David, how you going?
0: Oh, you know, hanging out. I'm in a different place right now. As We we were literally just talking about where I was, not at my own home a second ago, and then we decided to, to live. But now I'm talking about it again. But yeah, I'm in an Airbnb in uh, San Francisco on my way home.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're well, talking about how like you, you're able to like travel all over the country and I'm just locked down in Melbourne again in my house.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as if it's any different when you work in the world of crypto. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah world's in a a weird space right now um so i guess i won't see you at bitcoin miami in a week a week Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. no no (laughs) i'll tell you all about it though
2: (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'll say all about it on twitter because like there's tons of people going and I mean, I was just saying to you, I saw that you can't even talk about anything but Bitcoin at the conference. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think there's gonna be a lot of people just hanging around outside the conference just at different places, which, you know, is pretty cool. That's what usually happens with conferences anyway. Like you go and then, you know, you do go to the main one, but you mm-hmm. you also kind of like hang out around it, which actually that's the main thing I love about conferences, just being able to hang with friends, like with online friends in real life. But yeah, yeah, can't th- do that. I won't be able to do that for a while. <laughs>
0: there's two people that go to conferences and people that go to conferences and then people that go to hang out, right? And uh, yeah. the, the, <laughs> not the last time. The last time we hang out, hung out was at ETH Denver. Uh, and ETH Denver is a very, like, I would say participatory uh, conference. But the time mm-hmm. before that was ETH New York. And ETH New York was very much separated between, like, it was meant for builders. It was meant for a hackathon people and participants and then there was all the other people who couldn't code who just like were going there because we knew other people other ethereum people were going there uh and so that that, yeah that was ethan new york that's where i met uh, eric for the first time uh oh wait you weren't there yeah you weren't there you weren't there oh yeah i met eric eric uh for the first time met hudson for the first time uh and literally just like this like division between like people who are furiously typing on their computers like hacking like Preston Van Loon and all the other people who are just like fucking leaning back in their chairs just like oh it's good to see you guys this is great uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I, I always love that though because like I remember I had a Denver that was like three levels or something of, of devs mm-hmm. of developers like doing the hackathon and then there was just everyone else crowding around and it's funny because you have like different groups of people one of the groups that you can pretty easily spot are like the vcs and the investors because they'll they'll <laughs> huddle together and they'll they'll just wait because they want to you know they want to obviously find their next investment and things like that so and you can kind of like see them moving around like just looking at projects and then yeah as you said they've got the laid back people just kicking it hanging out um mm-hmm. and then the the, the, the hackers but Man, you're making me nostalgic now. I miss it. That's for sure. I haven't been to a conference since ETH Denver. Dude, you know, I haven't been able am, to go. <laughs> I'm
0: fucking missing them, man. Like, if, for all the listeners out there, if you are ever on the edge of like, do I go to this a conference thing or not? Like, go, absolutely mm-hmm. go. Like, it's 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 where fucking Ethereum culture is. Like, if you want to experience what crypto culture is, you got to go for the conferences. Speaking of mm-hmm. culture and conferences, did you 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 just woke up? So you probably haven't seen the Mike Dudas tweet. Okay, so Mike Mike Dudas mm-hmm. tweeted out a poll. And he goes, what are you going to do in Miami next week since we're all going to be there? Option one, Bitcoin conference. Option two, Ethereum slash DeFi slash NFT. Option three, partying. Option four, all the above. Ethereum slash DeFi slash NFTs coming in at number one at 40.5%. Bitcoin conference is the loser at 8.4%. And then partying (laughs) and all of the above are roughly tied. I need to go. I was was trying to find like the actual poll because I voted on it a while ago and took that screenshot. But still like... The, and and like I was planning on going to the conference until I found out that like so many Ethereum people are just going to be hanging out. And like, if you're if the Bitcoin literally the Bitcoin rules are you can't talk about Ethereum stuff, this is a Bitcoin only conference, then I guess I'll just go outside then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, man, I, yeah, I, I, as I said, like
2: I've been seeing tons of people say they're going, and I, 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 you know, I kind of expected that there's a lot of Ethereum people going, and it's just more fun to talk about like i really don't like i don't want to bash bitcoin again here i just like it's more it's just more fun to talk about ethereum and and DeFi stuff i guess in general and you know Mm -hmm. i mean that's why we talk about all the time like Mm -hmm. i literally talk about it every day you guys on bankless talk about it all Mm -hmm. the time so you know it's yeah exactly never gets it never gets old and it's something always new and fresh and Mm -hmm. you know you just mentioned that i just got up i did and i literally have not caught up on what's happened i looked at twitter and like i just saw all the updates i'm like oh my god a lot happened while i was sleeping again <laughs> do you know what happened with apparently there was some twitter spaces where people were talking about how much money they made from pre-sales did you see that
0: oh i saw some rumor about that but now that, that's that's still something i'm not not privy to
2: yeah i don't know i think there was something about like uh some some big influences on twitter promoting you know pre-sales they got mm-hmm. access to and then you know you know selling them off or whatever but uh regardless of that uh i think well we haven't done this in two weeks so mm-hmm. the the price man the price what oh happened where did it all go
0: wrong <laughs> oh my god well two weeks ago what what were we doing two weeks ago it was it it was like at the all-time Pretty sure high we're huh? at yeah, yeah. Okay, sure so so I that. have two topics on the agenda for so far today. It's the question of you have an agenda. Oh, two God, topics. You betrayed me. Two topics. <laughs> I know it's because I know what you want to talk about, and you already brought up one of them. So give me the benefit okay. of the doubt on the other one. The second one is layer two summer. for yeah, the, yeah. the other one, like, come on, I come on, <laughs> like, I know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. We're in yeah, The first yeah. one is uh, dead cat bow- bounce question mark. Since you brought it up, I guess we have to talk about dead cat bounce question mark
2: uh-huh uh man i don't think so like I, god you know it's it's funny because we like the people i talk to you know they're on both spectrums right there's like the permabulls and everything who find it really hard to be bearish in general and mm-hmm. i fall into that bucket like this is why i can't trade because i'm just bullish all the time mm-hmm. uh, and then you have like the people who are bearish but they're only bearish because they want a better entry from what i've noticed like mm-hmm. they want to just buy lower and you know and obviously people who are bullish just want to sell higher so this is this is what's always funny about markets you know you can never really get an unbiased view from people because everyone's got their own agenda everyone's got their own reason for wanting the market to go up and down so you can never get like someone uh saying oh well i actually think it's going to do this based on this this and this because this makes the most sense it's Mm -hmm. like well this makes the most sense to me for my bags because of what you're looking for something
0: like something you're looking Mm -hmm. for this actually is what really the through line is
2: Mm -hmm, exactly so but yeah i I don't know i don't know i don't know like i think everyone kind of got caught off guard by this that was it was unexpected by um maybe not everyone there were some Mm -hmm. people who who were calling for like a 3k eth but that was based on like technicals and things like that but then you know once we fell through that we just fell even further and I, it's been spoken about a lot lately but i really do think it's the leverage in the system uh there's just so much of it and people just like gets you have such easy access to it mm-hmm. that you have these death spirals because there's never enough li- spot liquidity to to match this right when, when there's liquidations and stuff like that so um but yeah man I like just generally i mean there's it's it's impossible for me to be bearish on anything right now even though the prices keep going down it doesn't matter like well, when you think about it like it was like i was really bullish and i mean we were both really bullish during 2019 like the depths of a, of a of a bear market uh and lots of stuff was happening but the price wasn't moving and when it comes to markets that they, they can kind of have a mind of their own sometimes where both positive and negative news won't do anything to the markets it'll just be like right. the market's doing just, the market um, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah so i guess that's where i'm sitting right now but i'm sure you're in like a similar boat here
0: yeah, there. I mean, we could talk about how there was there there was generally a just like kind of shitty two weeks in the narrative world, mainly on the Bitcoin side, right? Like Elon Musk mm-hmm. just being erratic was bad. Like Dogecoins, like do- Doggy tokens making the front page news, that was bad. Like, there are shit, there's shit that happened, like, the mine, the actual, uh, real news, which is the China actually banning Bitcoin, actually doing it, that was bad, right? So, we we had, like, a series of, like, one, two, three, four punches in a row, right after, right after just rocketing up. And so, we had, like, no price consolidation. We had, we didn't establish the highs, and then we got smacked by, like, really bad news, and, and then Bitcoin dumped and pulled the rest of the market down with it, and, like... I think in the grand scheme of things, you're totally right. There's like, when when ether di- goes from like forty three hundred dollars down to seventeen hundred dollars in like seven days, and then it rebounds a thousand dollars off of the floor, and then it, take for example, we can talk about this hypothetical scenario that it just keeps on going over the long term. That's just a smooth line. Like it's it went up really fast and went down really fast, but then but then it was a smooth through and through. And what you're saying about like. There's just not enough, not enough liquidity in the market. It's just an anomaly of the fact that like the spikes are so high because of how little liquidity there is, and so you round out the spikes because it's noise. It's like it's like um, it's like an outlier, right? And just the the fact that we dip down to seventeen hundred dollars for a brief couple hours in time was literally what you're saying. You just got to clear out the fucking leverage bros. Uh, and so liquidity just like disappears. And so the price can do anything. The price can go to $50 and then it'll just go back to $2,500 a second later. Uh, and that's just an anomaly. That's not actually something that you should really it, like. It's more of an anomaly than it is real. The reason why it's real is because a lot of people did get liquidated and, like, a 60% drawdown off the top will spook anyone no matter what. Like, watch watch your 60% of your net worth get deleted. It doesn't matter that you just only made it in the last, like, 45 days. Like, you still got deleted. Um, and so it's, that's that's my analysis.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and that's why I think, like, even though, obviously – long term bullish i still think it's going to take a little bit to to kind of like keep going up from yeah right. i think pump we're going to have to consolidate pump the brakes. yeah exactly we're, gonna, we we're, were gonna going be to we're going to up too a... fast anyways uh huh
0: yeah yeah I mean...
2: I, see, this is the <laughs> Anthony's like, that's an appropriate level of speed, actually. <laughs> I, I actually think that ETH wasn't going up fast enough. If I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, if, if if we were, you know, tr- traditionally, when you see a drawdown like this on, um, you know, large market cap assets like Bitcoin or ETH, you know, if we're looking at past cycles, you would you would expect to see maybe a forty percent drawdown at most. We've seen that already, right? We saw that from I think twenty one hundred to thirteen hundred was about a forty percent drop or something like that. Uh, Whereas, you know, getting a 60% drop on ETH is, is incredibly scary, especially when ETH has such a high market cap these days and has such a wide and varied holder base. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we, we kind of like bounced off that really quickly, but the thing is like, think about it, 4,400 to 1,700 in a week is crazy. Like we fell way faster than we, 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 we went up, um, but only like
0: two or three times as fast. Like we went up pretty fast, bro.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it was like like two two and a half
0: times as fast. It was like three, yeah. three weeks versus one week,
2: but you know. But the thing is, I actually think that ETH. So it's it's hard to say like what's fairly valued, but I, I actually think that ETH didn't go up fast enough. But I think that what ended up happening was that. There was a lot of other crap happening right mm-hmm. there was as you mentioned the dog tokens there was just a lot of froth in the market generally bitcoin was actually weak for quite a while you can see on the chart that bitcoin was weak for like three months man it was like ranging and, and it was actually going down it wasn't exactly mm-hmm. going was back up ranging and, down not ranging but, up yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly and then you know you mentioned all the, the bad news that came out like the esg narrative the, mm-hmm. the elon musk stuff all that sort of stuff that just you know i think that just like basically or like tipped over an already wonky kind of horse so right. to speak right it was right. already ready to kind of like you know mm-hmm. dump uh mm-hmm. and also bitcoin dominance had gotten slaughtered we went over this two weeks ago how bitcoin dominance gotten had gotten absolutely right. slaughtered which mm-hmm. means that there was people people kept saying oh when's alt season i'm like guys it was alt season like, <laughs> yes you you're, you're you're waiting for DeFi season which is different to alt season alt mm-hmm. season is literally all the scams and like absolute right. crap pumping and we had right. that we had that in a very big way it's just that people think that old season is means that their bags are going to pump. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that just really shitty bags are going to pump, but maybe your bags aren't part of that shitty bag. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I I think that definitely you're right that this is going to spook a lot of people. It's definitely going to spook a lot of the institution, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, the, what the institutional investors who are like, wow, you know, this is really volatile, but, Maybe they they won't allocate as much money now. They they allocate some. They'll be like, okay, well, this this asset class is still extremely risky and extremely volatile. Let's allocate less than we were going to because of it for now. Right. Uh. But but yeah, man. And and I actually think the narratives aren't going away for Bitcoin. We've, we've spoken about this before, and just like the the energy use narrative is just such a bad one. I think really in general sucks, for man. for Bitcoin, and doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's a narrative that's very powerful, and people just gonna gonna look at that and be like. Wow, Bitcoin uses this much energy. Like this is mm-hmm. this is horrible. Uh, whereas with with Ethereum, soon we'll be able to just say, well, Ethereum doesn't use mining. That's it. Like we don't have mm-hmm. to say anything else. it's Like it doesn't use mining. <laughs> right. It, it uses
0: literally nothing. That's the whole point. Um, well, mm-hmm. it actually, uses ether, which is not nothing. But from from Nick Nick Carter was making this point about how he was talking. Ironically, he was talking about like the Chia or Chia network, which uses um, like proof of hard disks. And so you just have like hard disks farm. Farming where you have all these hard hard disks and they're just writing random data to these hard disks and then deleting them over and over and over again And so like and then the hardware burn out. Same model as the ASIC Uh, What what the hell was he saying? He was he was talking about how um, This network got so large so fast that it actually started to tap into like commodity resources and then he was talking about how like this is why you don't like bake financial products into like general like commodities like corn or something because like society needs corn. Like we don't we don't want the prices of corn to artificially skyrocket for no fucking reason for this art like for this weird thing. And and then he's like and this is why chia makes no sense. And I, to, but to me I was so confused because then he turned it into a positive about Bitcoin and I'm like, dude, what's the one commodity that all humans need? It's energy. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I I know yeah, we can yeah. create more energy, but we can also create more corn. Like I didn't, I, I, I lost that part of it. Like that's the one part about the one thing, a few things that Nick Carter have said. I was just like, I don't get this.
2: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get the hypocrisy. And I think when well, I was actually thinking about this and, and I was, I was going through a scenario in my head and I was thinking, okay, if I asked the Bitcoiner, Hey, aren't you being you know hypocritical by saying that she is a waste, but Bitcoin isn't, uh, uh, you know, wasting kind of electricity here and, and kind of like hardware. I, their reply would be, yeah, but Bitcoin's worth it a hundred percent i already right. know what their reply would right. be right mm-hmm. and 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 you know that's actually a fine stance to take i actually think that's that's that makes sense mm-hmm. but at the same time you really shouldn't be calling out other other kind of right. like waste because, because it's, you subjective. That, it's subjective it's exactly, you know, as a Bitcoiner, you think that Chia is useless and you think it's worthless, Mm -hmm. but like there are people who like Chia and, and, and like (laughs) find it valuable and mine it and want to make money off it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's extremely subjective. And this is why the debate is never going away because it's, it's just a subjective, there's no objective answer here. There's no good or bad. It's what people think is good or bad. And what, what they feel is, is, is a benefit or not for the planet. So yeah, I just, I don't know, man, that, 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 that narrative has extreme headwinds and you know, I know you mentioned Nick Carter. He does a lot to fight it off and puts out a lot of good work around it. But that's not going to matter. Like, yeah. most people aren't going to read Nick Carter's blog posts. Like, it's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> right. He's just, like, hammering out blog posts after after blog posts. But, like, I, he's doing his best, man. But, like, he, he's not winning. Like, he's, he's he's losing. And, like, the whole uh, <laughs> Elon Musk and Michael Saylor, like, mining council thing. Like, we're going to establish the North American <laughs> Mining Councils to, like, make Bitcoin green. That's a that's capitulation. That's Bitcoiners admitting mm-hmm. defeat, and that they have to tackle this problem head on. And then they did it in this extremely ungracefully way, where we're gonna like establish the Council of American Bitcoin Miners. And so all of you Bitcoin miners, which is an opt-in, but still, like, let's all get the miners all in one spot and have a council. Like, <laughs> well, come on, guys. Yeah. What is this?
2: Yeah. It's, it, it definitely looks like fear, uh, like a little bit of fear where they're like, mm-hmm. well, we know this narrative is really bad. And if mm-hmm. we don't get on top of it, it's really bad for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And they won't ever say it, but they, they'll think to themselves, well, you know, Ethereum doesn't have these problems soon enough. Like, even though some of them will say Ethereum is never going to prove a stake, well, It's like, it is. And once it does, like, mm-hmm. what do you got? Like, after that, it's, it's like, it's, right. it's pretty bad. But... Um, and I'm just so happy that Ethereum is moving to proof of stake. And it's been a plan for, for, for quite a while now. I, I'm happy it's not just a reactionary mm-hmm. thing. I'm happy that it was like very kind of like a setting stone back in the day. And we've been into working the, towards ethos. It.
0: the ethos. The mm-hmm, ethos selected exactly. it from day one. And it was the right ethos to go by. Like this is like every single day I'm just like impressed by like, oh, like all these people that are like humanities now debating consensus mechanisms in 2021. And like Vitalik was like, hey, guys, I'm going to like i'm going to solve this problem six years in advance that you guys don't even understand that's coming <laughs> yeah yeah he, he,
2: dude, vitalik's foresight has has been amazing to see he's like i mean even in the white paper DeFi use cases were mentioned like financial right. use cases it wasn't mm-hmm. DeFi back then but right financial use like he, he just had so much foresight and and just generally i think like the ethereum community is very lucky to have him mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, generally just that 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 when you when it comes to a narrative war for people who pay attention to what happens on twitter like just even okay let's let's pivot a little bit for a sec to talk about narrative wars look at what happened with 1559 right look over the last couple days people are now concerned trolling eip 1559 and saying that it was people always sold it as a way to improve gas fees it was never ever sold as that not from when it first got created not from any of us in this ecosystem like not from many of the people with a reach i made a point to Mm -hmm. never ever sell it as something that would reduce gas fees i often noted that it may work to uh, or sorry that it should work to smooth out transaction fees because that is part of its design Mm -hmm. but i never alluded to it um you know fixing the gas fees and i always said that that was layer two right that was Mm -hmm. not the eip 1559 but now we have people coming along and saying well that that's what it was sold as I'm like are you serious like are you just learning about 1559 now like who are you listening to it's 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 just the narrative war is such a a hard one to win because even if you think you've won it someone will come along and throw a spanner in it and then everyone will be confused this Mm -hmm. is what happened when i'll just say it like taylor monaghan put out this thread that started this whole thing she confused everyone because now everyone is trying to kind of you know latch on to a narrative and latch on to an explanation for it and and now there's kind of like revisions of history happening too. People people like oh maybe it was about this all along or maybe it wasn't about mm-hmm. this and it's like it's just so insane because we had a very cohesive narrative the whole time but then someone can come along and just like screw it all up i think
0: <laughs> and it also doesn't even matter what the motivations are it's a piece of code we can analyze and analyze the code as the code itself right and and like mm-hmm. To also, for what it's worth, if we're talking about intent, it was intended to just make the UX better, and now it's touted as this fee burn mechanism. And and if I remember, I didn't look into the thread too much because I was like, this is dumb, I'm not going to waste my time on this. Um, and so the, the reason why I think Taylor Monaghan is going after... EIP-1559 it's because she's a contrarian and like everyone likes EIP-1559 and and so like she she, and people the reason why people like it is because it burns ETH and it pumps their bags but that's not why it was actually ever implemented it was the first proposal was framed in uh, the context of just making gas an easier thing to use Uh, I, 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 I was not the first person to like talk about the the relationship between burning ETH and ETH scarcity but I uh, I think I had like the first article that was really about EIP one five five nine that was directly about that, um, and it was really just out of the social layer did e- did EIP turn in EIP one five five nine turn into this like bullish fundamental case of Ethereum's monetary policy after the fact after Eric Connor was like this is going to make using gas easier. Now mm-hmm. there's a there's a conspiracy that I have that Vitalik cuz Vitalik knew about EIP 1559 or at least like the con- original construction of it the original mechanism and then he might have like passed it to Eric and be like yo you submit this EIP because Vitalik's smart he's like well this is going to make ether be scarce and so i think vitalik was like eric like you go do this <laughs> um that's my concern Vitalik theory. had been talking about this
2: sort of stuff since 2016 and he was mm-hmm. never talking about like fee burns or whatever he was talking about improving the gas uh mechanism for oh, ethereum interesting um yes yeah so there's papers back in 2016 2017 2018 and 1559 was was put forward in 2019 um but but on your point about people saying uh oh well it's all about the fee burn now okay well okay let's put it this way Let's see what the fee burn actually does. Besides just your your vanilla, oh, it pumps your pumps people's bags. The fee burn takes the money that's going to miners right now in terms Mm -hmm. of fee revenue and distributes it to all fee holders and makes ETH a a kind of revenue generating or like a a value capture token because right now eth does not capture the net the value of its of its own network because Mm -hmm. it it is not i mean it can be used as collateral it's staking and all that sort of stuff but it it is not capturing that fee revenue so by you saying that oh you don't like 1559 because it burns fees and and directs value to, to ETH. You're taking the other side and saying you're happy with that ETH going to miners who dump it, right? right. That, that, that's the side you're taking, really. Decreasing the, end the of security the
0: day. of Ethereum when you dump it, by it, the way.
2: It, exactly. Decreasing the security of Ethereum and also causing chain instability because when you have more fee revenue mm-hmm. than, uh, than uh, I, I guess, like uh, block rewards, it's been shown in a research paper that, that this can lead to an unstable blockchain or an unstable blockchain. Right. So th- when I see that, I'm just like, Guys, like, okay, yes, it's it's it, it's it's good for the for for the value of ETH, and yes, a lot of the industry is 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 shilling it like that. But at the end of the day, like, who are these people following? Like, are you just following traders who are shilling this so that they can trade ETH and like you know pump it higher based on this narrative? Like, I know I've been talking about the fee burn a lot for sure, but but I. I the thing, the, the thing is, is that the fee burn is just like a really easy narrative for people to latch onto. Like, mm-hmm. and when I when I look at people arguing against this, I'm like, you guys should never work in marketing because you didn't understand how marketing works. Like, marketing works by boiling down complex topics into an easy to digest narrative. That's the, that's really the crux of, of marketing. So when you want to market one, five, five, nine, you want to get the word out about it, what do you start with? Well, you start with the most attractive feature of it, like, which is an ETH fee burn. Then you can talk about the other things. That's what I've done. I've gotten people to kind of like, you know listen to me because of that and then i kind of like eat pill them later on the better things about one five five nine uh so to me it's just like a a marketing narrative thing that mm-hmm. i i think a lot of people in this industry do not understand um you know marketing is something that i think people look down upon sometimes and they're like oh you're just trying to shill your bags it's like everyone's trying to shill something like let's just be honest here like everyone is always trying to shill something like is, is taylor um you know shilling uh just her bags with my crypto of course she is like but that's fine. It's her product, right? Like it's, it's fine. So yeah, I mean maybe without ranting too much there, I just think that, um, the forest for the trees gets missed a lot in this in this industry.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. And on the note of just like everyone shilling their bags, like all content producers, all YouTubers, all podcasters, everyone writing an article, they're all shilling their bags. The, the reason why people write articles is because they write about something that they believe in. That's why Bitcoiners have so many Bitcoin podcasts. That's why it's, that's why Ethereum people, are, well, we act, We could use some more podcasters actually these days. Um, it's mainly you, me, and a few other people, and that's about it. Um, but like, we're all shilling our bags. We're all shilling our bags. But the thing is, someone is right. Like someone shilling their bags is right. There's all these different people shilling their bags and someone's right. Uh, and so at some point, that's why you have to be like a thesis driven shiller. Because if you're if you're the shiller who's shilling their bags and you're wrong, then you're like an asshole in hindsight, not an asshole, I wouldn't really call him an asshole, but like, oh, you're the one that got it wrong. Like you, you were just mm-hmm. shilling your fake bags, right? And if you the are the shiller that got it right, you're the person that democratized alpha right like if (laughs) you're the one that did all like good job and so and so like at at that point like that's why you kind of it's a responsibility to shill bags if you do believe in them because that's that's your right as a person
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess like in saying that all shilling is not created equal either, right? You have yeah. a lot of things that are shilled that are, that are scams or dodgy mm-hmm. projects or people have access to like, um, you know, I was just saying before about like pre-sales, right? Where mm-hmm. there's no kind of vesting or lockup on their tokens. They shill it to their followers and then they just like dump on Damn, them, right? right um that 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 happens a lot in this industry and i'm not condoning that at all i'm not saying that's a that's a that's a good thing but you know when i show eth i i sh- i'm more sure like um you know the fundamental drivers of like eth and ethereum and what's right. happening there and obviously like. You know, I mean, me, me and you—it's the same thing. We're both like long-term Ethereum people. We're not just like shilling some bags you got in a presale. I mean, you and I—we bought get the way later. Didn't get the no, presale. No, <laughs> we we
0: bought ETH way later than but my than, first price was people. like three hundred and thirty dollars. Exactly. So twenty seventeen, right? That. Not not in not not in the 2018-19 bear market. Like it was not eighty dollars at the bottom of the bear market. It was like three hundred and thirty dollars. And then it pumped to fourteen hundred dollars. I'm like, yes. And then it <laughs> fell to eighty dollars. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, a lot of people miss that. Uh, there's,
2: there's, you know, some of the loudest people in this ecosystem and the ones you would call shillers bought bought in a lot later. So they're not, you are not kind of like shill right. like bags. They bought in at like pre sale right. and things mm-hmm. like that, but. But, yeah, I mean, and shillings, like, it's got a negative connotation that comes with it. Mm. At the end of the day, it's just talking about things you're excited about, yep. really. That's how I view yep. it. And, yeah, okay, yes, you have a monetary incentive to do so, but that's, like, this whole industry. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about something, uh, most of the time you have a have a, an incentive to do so, whether that's being monetary or social. And it can be both. Like, you can have a social incentive to do things. Like, obviously, I have a social incentive to talk about Ethereum because, like, that's my whole thing. Like, and the same with you guys <laughs> at Bankless. That's your whole thing. But you make money from it too because right. it's part of like like. There's no way I'm gonna shill Ethereum if I don't have ETH. Like why? Right. Like yes, I love Ethereum, but like I'm gonna invest in ETH. Like I'm not gonna sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. and be like, oh yeah, ETH can go up without me. It's fine. Why I, I, I think it's, it's
0: gonna doesn't... go up into the moon, but I'm not gonna buy it. <laughs> like what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So there's just it's it, it that's just like being a rational investor. Um, being a rational person. So yeah, when I when I think about that, that's that's kind of like the train of thought I go down. And and I'm fine with people thinking it, it's gross and disgusting sometimes where people are shilling things. But guys, like I don't see that with ETH. I see that with like the dog coins or like mm-hmm. the outright scams, like mm-hmm. or the really shitty projects. I just do not see that with, with something like ETH, where you can say, Oh, it's disgusting shillers just pu- trying to pump their bags. Right. Guys, if I wanted like if we wanted to shill bags and pump bags, we wouldn't be pumping like ETH, right. we would be pumping something else. But we yeah. don't want to do that, right? We, We're not here for that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's easier. Well, shilling ETH is like long-term games, right? And the reason why it's a long-term game is because we think it's a long-term asset, right? So, like, c- come back to, you know, this bankless YouTube in, like, 50 years. Anthony and David, still shilling ETH. Like, still going to be doing <laughs> it. It's probably... Um, mm-hmm. Hey guys, we're about to get into the topic of conversation of layer two summer or what's about to happen when Arbitrum and Optimism open the floodgates and allow all the developers to come and start building on these L2s and what it's going to be like once all those applications are built for L2s, the users and what it's like for the users to come in and live in those L2s. I think it's going to be a really exciting time. Anthony agrees with me. So that is the second half of this conversation, but before we get there, we have to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible.
1: Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire and you should do it on Gemini. You already know Gemini is the world's most trusted crypto exchange, but now you can do even more than trade. You can earn. You can take one of your crypto assets and park it in an interest earning Gemini account where you can get up to 7.4% annualized. There's nothing more satisfying than earning passive income on an asset that you're already bullish on this is a crypto native superpower you know what's coming soon too a gemini crypto credit card yep that's a credit card not a debit card it gives you rewards and hard money crypto assets not something inflationary like airline miles or hotel points gives you up to 3% cash back in crypto. The card is coming in Q2, but you should get on the waiting list right now and we'll include a link. See what I mean? This is more than just trading. Gemini is your bridge to crypto for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. Get $15 in Bitcoin after you trade your first $100. That's gemini.com slash go bankless.
0: Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap, Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. the main conversation, which is layer two summer. How do you feel about that? I, I'm feeling like if we say
2: layer two summer too much, people are gonna <laughs> accuse us of over-promising something. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I feel like, because <laughs> I already saw it happen with the Arbitrum release today. People are complaining and saying, oh, it's only for developers, guys. Like every single piece of marketing copy said it was only for developers. <laughs> what do you think? Like literally I have not seen anyone say that it was for users. So where did these people get mm-hmm. this idea from that it was for users? And I think it's got to do with the fact that when people hype things up, again, it goes back to what I was saying about narratives and marketing. You always kind of focus on the the really, the best thing, right? Mm-hmm. The, the most awesome thing coming. Mm-hmm. And what all people focused on was, Oh, Arbitrum is going to like be a layer two that comes out before Optimism, right? It's going to be like where all these developers can can co- deploy their stuff to, and users will be able to enjoy the cheap and fast transactions. That is true, but that is not true today. And and what's true today is that they need to release a developer mainnet so that they can actually get the apps on there. This is another right. thing that I don't get yeah. when people kind of say this. Like, okay, guys if they released it to the public today, what would you go and do? There's nothing, do? There. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing there. There's nothing there.
0: Like, I just, I don't get what, it. What do you, you like- expect? Like, Oh, Ethereum, but on, on Arbitrum, like, no, you got to go build it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So I just, I I don't get that. And and I don't get, I have people thinking that, but anyway, that's what released today, right? Arbitrum. Mm-hmm. And then there's other layer twos that have been rolling out slowly. There's other apps and stuff. There's layer twos live today. You can go mm-hmm. use them and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I think, Layer 2 Summer is something that is not just going to happen coherently. It's not just going to be one thing that, uh, you know, happens at one point in time like DeFi Summer did. I think it's going to take a little while still for, for Layer 2s to roll out to a point where you can have, like, you know, a critical mass of users on there doing all sorts of, you know, really cool right. things. Right. Um, but I, I think it, it can happen eventually. It's just that, I like, I mean, I, I, thought, I, I thought I was under-promising a lot of things, even though, like, I'm bullish on them. But it seems like people still think we're we're over-promising things and it just it it really kind of like irks me because you know i think on twitter it's just different on twitter people because twitter doesn't lend itself to, to nuance at the end of the day twitter mm-hmm. lends itself to what can you fit in 280 characters and how much engagement can you farm and that's fine that's exactly what what, what i do it's what you just What like all of us do like we want to get attention to our long-form stuff and our you know our youtube channels our newsletters whatever but the only way we can do that is by creating these bite-sized narratives that get people to pay attention to us and to follow us and by doing that we remove a lot of the nuance from things so i i get that but If you're just taking your your knowledge from Twitter only, right, from one person's tweet, then you're you're just not doing enough research into into what's happening because you can't mm-hmm. get everything from one tweet. Even a tweet three is not going to give you everything. Right. So that that's my general opinion on layer two summer is that we shouldn't overpromise this and we shouldn't say this is going to be a coherent thing. It's going to eventually happen where there are critical massive users will move to layer twos and we'll have like uh, some some fun stuff happening on there. But I don't think it's going to happen like people think it is. Like where it's just like all of a sudden, oh my god, everything's pumping layer two summer. Wee wee wee. No, I don't think it's going to happen like that.
0: <laughs> so so here's my model for how this goes and maybe maybe adding summer to it is more just like mar- marketing and, and excitement which i mean we're always excited but layer two season era whatever so the, the here's how i've been explaining this to my friends imagine like disneyland but uh, you've probably never been to disneyland have you
2: um, Disneyland in Tokyo. So I guess that counts. Okay.
0: So I think th- an amusement park, the the Disneyland that I'm familiar with in, uh, in, uh, Anaheim in, in Los Angeles, it's like very much, you go, you go in through the gates and then you go up to this main Walt Disney statue. And then there's like different parks, like park this way, a different park that way, a different park that way. And so you have like this main Disneyland area and then all these different parks, like spawning off of it. Right. And so this is what Ethereum is like main park super congested lines everywhere. Cause there's only one spot to go. The lines are super long. And now Ethereum as an ecosystem, they just launched like the Matic park, not too long ago, the polygon park. And now they're about to launch the Arbitrum park. And then they're about to launch the optimism park, which are even way more like way more surface area. And it, instead, and in, and when they launch these things, there's this massive, like for at first it's, it's kind of like a gold rush, but people have to wait for the developers of like these applications to come and build the future rides that people are going to ride on so that the people can come find the gold because the gold's in the ride. Okay. So here, so like Sushi Swap comes and they're going to, and Uniswap they're going to come deploy on, on Arbitrum. And, and this is my, completely my speculation, but like in order to get liquidity onto Arbitrum, perhaps both, Uh, Uniswap and Arbitrum, and I'm just using these as examples, so like insert your DeFi app here. Uniswap does uni distribution rewards to people providing liquidity on Arbitrum. Arbitrum provides rewards for people using Uniswap on Arbitrum. And so you have these dual yield farming coming from both application, which is like the ride, and the actual real estate, which is Arbitrum. And we've written like repeat that for every single application, borrowing and lending application, like Aave is going to probably take the lead here because it can move so much faster than Compound. So Aave is going to be yield farming Aave tokens on Arbitrum, which is also going to be giving Arbitrum tokens. And then also they're going to repeat this on on Optimism, right? Everyone, We need to give away the tokens of these L2s because we need them to be decentralized. How do you give away tokens? We learned this in the first DeFi summer. We just give them away to people that use the protocols. And so there's going to be yield farming on Arbitrum. There's going to be yield farming on uh, on Optimism. There's already yield farming on Matic, right? And so it's just going to be fucking yield farm city in like these three different like parks that are brand new. And the important thing is there's no fucking fees, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no peace and so that mm-hmm. that is like the bull case i'm super fucking excited for this why i'm calling this ultrasound summer and maybe also fall or whatever just the ultrasound or not ultrasound layer two or, or summer. winter
2: for those in the or, southern hemisphere yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, whatever there's not that many of <laughs> um no no I, I agree with you and I, I think you know a big part of these like summers is the is the yield farming and the liquidity mining right and the, the conditions have to be good for this though you need a bullish market you mm-hmm. can't have like a bearish market because liquidity right. mining doesn't really work in a bearish market right you need to go up exactly exactly and we already saw a taste of this on Polygon with Ave launching Matic, with Matic token rewards on 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 Polygon there so you could uh, and, and we saw like I think there's 17 billion dollars in 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 Aave on Polygon right now because of that so yeah as you said like if, if all these tokens are being given away uh, through liquidity mining programs it's a really easy way and good way to bootstrap liquidity um you know and and I think that this is what's going to happen for a lot of these apps and some will move faster than others and, and things like that and it, you can't have liquidity mining on like every single l2 so maybe this is a race here where you know who can bring out their l2 or scalability solution you know uh, first so, so to speak so i think from that perspective it makes sense but you know if, it depends on what the, the broader market does as well i think as i said like i we're not long-term bearish but like short-term the market is just like no one knows what's going to happen in the short term right now in the markets. Like absolutely no one. I think people are betting on, it's going to take a couple of months for it to work itself out because we got ourselves into a really bad rut here. And every single bounce is going to be sold down because people are going to be like, well, I'm going to sell the relief bounce. Be like, Oh, I should have right. sold here. And now they're like, oh, "I bounces. And they're going to be like, oh, I should, should sell here. And I think a lot of people are saying, well, unless ETH breaks 3k, we're going to be striking like the 2k to 3k right. purgatory for a little while. Um, so if, if, unless that happens, um, or maybe it, you know what? The funny thing is, maybe this all happens at once because these events have a have a really um funny way of like all coalescing around each other. So if you think about what's happening in the next couple of months, say say the market starts hitting it back up in July, for example. Again, I think Arbitrum will be open to users in either kind of like I'm estimating late June or early July here. Um, and what else is happening in July? Well, optimism is also said that they're going to go live with the mainnet in July. One five five nine is still happening in in July. Um, as far as I know. I saw something about like a slight delay on it on Twitter before, but um, I think it's still happening in July, right? So if we get like a a return of the bull in July, well, then we can possibly have an L2 summer, right? Because Mm -hmm. the the conditions are there for it. I think Mm -hmm. the reason why we had like a DeFi summer originally is because the conditions were there for it. It was the market was just getting started, heating up we just discovered this really cool new primitive fees were were low and then spiked high but people didn't care about the fees because they had made so much money from their eth holdings like people forget that the people who were part of DeFi summer were early eth investors so at that point in time they didn't care about the fees because they had made a lot of money (laughs) from from their eth going up so they were like well all right all right it doesn't matter like i'm getting all this money from this i don't care about the fees uh and then it was just a new thing as well so as you were saying, this is like going to be a zero to low fee kind of environment where it's going to be a new thing for people, where mm-hmm. they're going to be like, the people who were locked out before are going to be like, wow, I can actually do like all this cool yield farming stuff now. And there's going to be centralized exchange bridges in and things like that for people to, to kind of come into it. Uh, so, yeah, I think the conditions can be there in maybe june like maybe late june kind of like july ish but we're gonna to have to see what the broader market does if the broader market is like super bearish and, and bitcoin's like dumping each dumping right. i i don't see us having like an right. l2 kind of like season like because of that
0: yeah yeah to some degree maybe you can you can have like some amount of faith in in markets and say like well because Optimism and Arbitrum are releasing and this this real estate is going to be so incredibly valuable that that can be its own catalyst and be the reason why we are bullish Not that mm, people's mm-hmm. bearishness kill the potential for L2 Summer or L2, whatever. It's actually the fact that these things are happening. is what makes it bullish It could go both ways. It could go like for some at some point in time catalysts move markets uh, It's an extremely mm. viable catalyst uh, and, and as as what you said like, there's already plans for certain exchanges to so just put USDC right onto these L2s. And so I've been talking to some of my friends. One of my, one of my friends owns Bond's so that's stupid, and so I'm telling him sell all your bonds and just put it into stable coins and yield farm on all these L2s that are coming. Just like you can keep your dollar principles. Like I'm not even gonna bother to try and convince you to buy ETH. He he did, but he does own ETH. Um, but I was like, well, your bonds are y- yielding like butt fuck percentages. Excuse my French on on the bond market. <laughs> go go farm some actual real assets. Like this is a future. Mm-hmm. Go do that. Like no same same risk kind of um and and so like if you the the time to deploy just bare cash is like kind of coming up like pretty damn soon and you don't have to buy ETH you don't have to put put it into risky assets you can keep your principal but in the spirit of going bankless you're going to get better yields in the bankless world like and so you might as well go Mm -hmm. do that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no totally i I totally think so and and this has been my kind of like thesis for a while as, uh, uh, as to why I don't think we're going to get like a long drawn out bear market anymore. And I think we're going to get like mini cycles is because of that. As you said, like, mm-hmm. I mean, where are you going to put your cash, right? Where mm-hmm. are you going to put your USD if not in crypto? Like, are you going to go to a bank account? Uh, no. <laughs> like, what are you going to do within a bank account? Are you going to go buy bonds? No. no. What are you going to do with bonds, it's right? the most are stock- thing on
0: the planet. <laughs> Exactly. Are you going to go in the
2: stock market? I'm like, okay, maybe you can go in the stock market, but like you're still buying assets, you're not holding right. on to your cash. Right. Whereas, um, and this is this is why I'm saying, like, with, with if you keep your cash in stable coins, well, you're looking for a dip to buy, you're yeah. not looking to exit crypto. You want to buy a dip or you want to yield farm, you're keeping the capital within mm-hmm. the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So, from that point of view, I mean, I, I think it's very hard to be kind of like bearish, like, even medium term. Like, I think short term is fine because short term can do whatever they whatever it wants but long-term medium, long-term like bullish, just like everywhere. Like (laughs) there's just seriously, like I just can't find any reasons to be bearish and Mm -hmm. think about how many users still got to come into the ecosystem as well. And how many of them are locked out because we don't have, um, sorry, because we have high fees and what that's going to, what that's going to unlock on L2 is going to be amazing. So yeah, I think people might get blindsided by this. Um, you know, and, and the memes of like, Oh, Ethereum can't scale. We're just going to die. Like, and that goes back to what I was saying about narratives and narrative Mm -hmm. war. It's very hard for Ethereum to win the Ethereum can scale narrative war just based on promises and and based on us saying, well, you know, this is coming out soon. Um, We just, once we get it out there and people can actually use it and people Mm -hmm. see that, oh, wow, this is actually real that's when um you know i think things start changing i think polygon had a a, played a pretty big part in this as well where you know that they they, they kind of showed this and and kind of like you go on there and yeah i know there was debates about polygon being like not a 2 and all this sort of stuff but you know generally it's a it's an ethereum aligned scaling solution and that showed people that you know when ethereum wants to it can it can scale both on the technical level and the social kind of coherence level too
0: Right. The, the one thing I don't know about Matic is like if the Matic network blows up, like what kind of assurances do you have that you can come back to Ethereum? I think that's, that's kind of like the, the weakness at, that Matic has is it doesn't have perfect assurances in the same degree that Optimism and Arbitrum does. Uh, and so like you can't have perfect like security when you are on Matic. Like there is some risk there. But at the end of the day, if it works, it works, and right now it's working. And so, like, whatever talk we can talk about compromises for whatever. But like, if it's offloading, scaling fees, and reducing fees, then like, count it as an L2. Um, you know, we're gonna like oh, the. It's not technically an L2. That's technically incorrect. But like, you know, people, random users of Ethereum aren't gonna give a shit. Like, they're just like, oh, it's the thing <laughs> that, that things are things I do are cheaper. That's that's the L2. I'll go over there. Like, they don't care what it is. Uh, And so like to some degree, that's probably why people are so bullish on Matic now is is not only does it, it's already first, people are already building on it. It's got all those like, oh, any sort of L2, like it's all automatic. It's all automatic. Like, I guess that's bullish. I don't really know like how architecturally why that works or, but okay. And so to some degree, sure, whatever, count it as an L2, like so long as it works
2: yeah and I think when it comes to these sorts of things it's just the trade-offs right and the polygon uh pos network or the automatic network as you're talking about they have their own validator set like 100 plus proof of stake validators they have slashing all that logic lives on ethereum they checkpoint to ethereum um but the actual central point of failure is the multi-sig uh bridge which mm. essentially is the bridge from ethereum to matic which holds billions of dollars of assets that is a five of eight multi-sig right now so mm. if you know they wanted to, not saying they would. Five people could collude ah, right. and steal all the funds in there, right? And that the, the thing is, that multi sig is not there for any malicious reasons, it's there because they want to be able to upgrade the platform still. Uh, and because the platform is still very early and they want to um, protect user funds in case of any exploits and stuff like that. This is not dissimilar to what happens with DeFi apps when DeFi apps have admin keys and stuff like that, like and WBTC, sure, yeah, yeah. So just that's that's the thing just as long as people understand the Mm trade-offs i think is fine um the 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 definition war like the the narrative war around defining things is already lost even though that i think technically an l2 like is something that's secured by ethereum directly and doesn't rely on its own kind of security um and you know matic or polygon has been referred referred to as as a side chain i i just think that even that kind of term is is useless i think it's all about you know is it like its own network? Is it secured by itself? Which which Polygon's POS chain is? Okay, where's the central point of failure here? Well, it's the bridge, right? So okay. it, the bridges really are g- generally kind of like the central points here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, who's, you know, who's sw- responsible for the bridge? Like what, what are their social coherence? And I think, you know, obviously I mean, I should disclaim that I'm an advisor to Polygon, but I think that, you know, the team is, is, is not like malicious or anything like that. It's not trying to harm Ethereum Mm -hmm. or anything. They're, they're kind of very aligned there. So, um, and, and, you know, even these other, like, I guess you can call them true L2s, like Arbitrum and Optimism are going to have guardrails on them in some way or another. I don't know if they're going to be centralized guardrails or anything like that, or, or kind of admin keys, but they're definitely going to have ways to, I I mean, just think about it. Like if Arbitrum and Optimism want to upgrade their networks once they're live, Like, how are they going to do that without, like, a a multi-seek where they can actually just, like, put the upgrades in themselves? Well, they'd have to set up a whole governance process. That's not going to work really early on in their life. It's it's going to hamper their adoption because they're not going to be able to move fast. So I think early on in these projects, it's fine to have an admin key. It's fine to have a central point of failure Mm -hmm. as long as you're upfront about it. Um, if you're, if you're kind of like trying to hide this fact, well, I mean, if you're trying to hide it, then I, yeah, I can consider you story. malicious. That's a different
0: story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you're hiding information from the market and not allowing them for them to decide for themselves. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And this is why I had such a big problem with BSC is that CZ is marketing BSC as if it's exactly like Ethereum, right? that it's just like Ethereum with low fees. I was like, no, man, it's like centralized Ethereum, like stop with this bullshit marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think as long as people are honest about what these systems are and people understand what they are that's that's fine by me I, I think you know if you're lying to people that's when it gets like kind of kind of gross
0: yeah yeah totally um mm-hmm. what should we talk about next
2: mm-hmm. um well i mean markets l21559 drama uh, chat i mean chat <laughs> what
0: should we talk about
1: Let us yeah know, l- give us a topic there's, <laughs> I mean, there's lots
2: we could talk about but maybe they've got something they want to hear about
0: yeah yeah i i've always wanted to do like a uh uh just like have you ever used the webinar feature of zoom i guess it's not all that different no. than, than uh than uh youtube having a chat function but uh polygon loki cardano killer well you have to be alive to be killed so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you know i always viewed polygon as these um not, not so much cardano but as these kind of like multi uh sorry these interoperability multi-chain protocol mm, things mm-hmm. like Polkadot and uh, uh what was the other one cosmos yeah, yeah yeah so i always viewed polygon as as that because they're going to be they're not just building the pos chain they're building like what they call it, internet of blockchains, which is going to be like standalone chains, L2s, you know, all this sort of stuff, um, hybrids, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call
0: it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's what I view it as. But as you say, yeah, Cardano, I mean, what's there to kill? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You know you know what? I haven't heard anything about the compound chain. When, when's the last time mm-hmm. you heard about something about the compound chain?
2: I actually saw Robert Leshner tweeting about it on Twitter, like I think two days ago, and saying that Arbitrum should have like a star port on the compound chain. I'm like, okay, well what is actually happening with this compound chain? Like right. what is it right now? <laughs>
0: Apparently there's a new assets in compound link and true USD. So they actually added some new assets to base L1 main chain of compounds. Like that's the first thing that's changed about that application. And I guess to, to yeah. some degree, they're kind of stuck being like the ultra secure application versus Ave, which is kind of the move fast, but you not yet break things fingers crossed uh, app, app. And so like, I guess if, if Compound does start rolling out the features and it kind of breaks what it's good for, which is like a really locked down vault. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's,
2: there's lots of money market protocols now with more coming. I mean, you have like ones that move really fast, like Cream and, and, and Fuse from, from Rari Capital. Uh, and then you have ones that move you know, a bit bit faster, but, like, not as fast, like Aven. And, yeah, the ones that don't move very fast, like Aven. Sorry, like uh, Compound Mm -hmm. and Maker. But that's, yeah, it's all trade-offs. Again, it's all trade-offs. Like, if you move fast, you introduce collateral into the system that may not be safe because of a variety of reasons well you have to take on the risk and the risk gets taken on by the whole protocol even if the markets are separate if you have like say you have like the token gets sold off for insurance then you bear that risk as a token holder mm-hmm. you bear that risk as a protocol whereas if if you're just onboarding like really uh robust collateral that has really robust liquidity and that liquidity has existed for a long time then you know you're fine that's what compound and maker try to do and that's right. i think compound is even more conservative than maker at this point
0: oh yeah uh i mean i, I... I'm interested as to how that how that's true how, how is that true
2: well i mean maker has actually been onboarding assets pretty uh, pretty quickly these yeah. days like if you, if you yeah. look at like how many assets maker has on board the last few months compared to compound i think maker actually wins there hmm. um yeah Com- compound just i don't know why but like yeah they do move very very slowly on that right. front um, yeah compared to the others
0: so so here, here's something i've been thinking about lately so uh i got into into ethereum around like july of 2017 after ether ran from like 10 or 20 dollars all the way up to i think it was like 425 or something uh and then mm. it crashed back down to 135 uh and then it rebounded and then it it was uh like just like ranging from 330 dollars to like 270 dollars for like 6 weeks. It literally felt like forever. And that was like my first mm-hmm. impression of crypto was like ether ranging from 330 to 270 for for like it was like August until like October. And then it, and then and that's when it did its massive run all the way up to like $1400 and set its 2017 all-time all high. It feels like that right now. Like ether mm-hmm. ran from $100 all the way up to uh $4300, fell all the way down to $1700, and now we've been ranging between like 2,400 and 2,800 for one one week. And like what you we were just talking about is like, well, we could do this really, we could just range until like July, right? When EIP 1559 and Optimism comes online and Arbitrum allows users. Oh, that's weird. Like kind of crazy fractal, right?
2: Yeah, yes. So I've seen this talked about a lot lately, Um, this fractal to, uh, to uh, 2017. And it's funny because like the magnitude is different here because... I don't think you can say maybe it ran from like a hundred to forty three hundred because if you're saying it ran from ten dollars to four twenty dollars, that happened in six months in twenty seventeen. ETH um, was ten dollars in January of twenty seventeen uh, at the beginning of January, right. whereas a hundred dollars was only true in March of last year. So it took us like you know fifth. 15- 14 15 months to get to 4400 so uh, much longer times time frame there so if you if you really want to do a um do a comparison i think you, you should be comparing it maybe to to to, to kind of like bitcoin here because mm. ethereum is as big as bitcoin was mm. back then because it's, it's about market cap and, th- and stuff like that but this is also why i think that when you look at these kind of fractals and look at these charts it's kind of hard and i don't think it repeats like the same way every time it it might might rhyme where you know human emotions don't really change and the way humans trade things and fear and greed is is the same but i don't know if you can look at that and say that's exactly what's going to happen i do think the general rule is that when you have like a blow off top like this you either go into like a really long-term bear market where it just keeps trending down or the market is generally bullish and you stay like range bound for a little while and then you move back up generally i think that's what is happening right now, but at the same time, I'm not like totally sure because, you know, short term is very hard to kind of predict. I mm-hmm. I didn't think that ETH would go to 1700. I thought that ETH would, you know, I I was looking at when ETH was dumping. I'm like, okay, well. You know, maybe we go to under 3,000. That's where I bought some as well. I bought some at 2,900. But then, uh, you know, it kept falling. I'm like, wow, okay, this is a serious dump now. And then it kept going. I'm like, wow, okay, starting to feel like, you know, COVID black, uh, black whatever it was in March of 2020. And then it dumped even more. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, well, there must not be much liquidity in the system as I thought there was. I thought there was more liquidity than what there was. Um, and then we bounced, of course, and we got, went up to 2,900. I'm like, okay, this is a classic dead cat bounce right now. This is like a classic, oh, mm-hmm. uh, let's all just buy the bottom. And then we trended back down. I'm like, okay, I wasn't surprised by that. And now we're just ranging. So who who knows, man? Like, it's just it's so hard to tell. But if you're in it for the long term, you should be unaffected by these. If you didn't invest more money than you can afford to lose, if you're not relying on crypto to, to live, then you're fine. I mean, I, I think... Yeah, as long as you kind of like set yourself up for that and not panic mm-hmm. sell into these sorts of things, you should be you should be fine. Because what, what actually gets people long-term is that they blow themselves up, whether that be on right. leverage mm-hmm. or they end up panic selling um, and then buying back in at a higher price. Really, that's why people say hold. Because in the long-term holding, like if we just look at history- Holding no matter, wins. Wh- holding, holding wins, wins exactly over the long term holding wins over, over everything so unless you're a trader and you're trying to be a trader you can be a trader you can have like a trading stack maybe you want to trade with 10 percent of your portfolio mm-hmm. um but yeah just generally like i think holding wins and, and you've got like proof of that from like 10 plus years of crypto markets mm-hmm. and that is not to say this is investment advice but you just need to look at the the industry and look at what what what's mm-hmm. happened to people who, who held from from early on i think that's just what happens
0: yeah and, and, and on that note there are some things that you can't learn in crypto you can only experience right and i feel like that's kind of Mm -hmm. what i was getting to when i was saying like oh like similar fractals 2017 kind of feels like that Mm -hmm. like the numbers are are messy like time horizons are different like things are fuzzy but like there is like a gut feeling right uh and you know gut feeling is completely emotional it's just my gut feeling but also, like, there's, like, kind of this order of operations things or, like, Bitcoin pumps, then Ether pumps, DeFi tokens pump. then we have this crash. Like, we're, we're, what we're yet to see is another – because I remember, like, allocating heavy into tokens. And I feel like this is, like, a first cycler thing to do is this, like, oh, I missed out on the pump. Better buy tokens because that's how I get my leverage. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I b- bought a bunch mm-hmm. of tokens, and then Bitcoin ran from, like – seven thousand to twenty thousand dollars and i just felt pain every step of the way because tokens are actually going down in price just getting just slaughtered by bitcoin and then we had the biggest fucking altcoin mania of all time. And that's when Ether mm-hmm. hit its cap, and, and so we just went through these cycles, right? And so it feels like it feels like the second half of the of the bull market, right? It feels like Ether had its first pump, Bitcoin has its first pump, DeFi tokens have kind of lagged behind, but are but still have done extremely well. And then we have a bunch of new entrants coming in, which a lot of a lot of people that I know that I was trying to tell them to get into crypto are now finally getting into crypto. Uh, and so it kind of feel it feels like that moment in time where like, we have the next second half of the bull market ahead of us.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually put a tweet out saying this exact thing where, I, where it feels more like you know, June, July, 2017 than it does Jan 2018. And I do agree with you. I just think uh, it's just funny whenever you kind of look at the prices and the magnitude of the increase and how eth went, you know, 42x before it crashed mm-hmm. in 2017. Whereas if you look at like, say say you want to compare it to the start of this year to now, um, you know, ETH was like, what, $1,000 at the start of this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's only a 4.4x. And that's because ETH's market cap is much larger right. this right. time around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can look at other coins that did the 42x, for example, which they did, like some other coins did a, a massive run like that. So, that's when i see people saying oh you know ETH is gonna go like 40x again because it went 40x in 2017 or whatever it was it's like nah mm-hmm. guys like this is not gonna happen that's the market caps are way different and it takes a lot more money to move eth these right. days that's why you see bitcoin as being like an asset that doesn't go up too much in value but again uh it, i mean it doesn't go up, i mean it goes up but it doesn't go up as fast and, and again it's just a risk thing like you are it's le- it's less risky to be in btc and eth than it is to be in other things like yes btc and eth i mean eth went down 60% but a lot of the other things went down like 80% and that might seem like a small gap but, but going down 80% is way larger than going down 60% because it's it, it's it's percentage wise it's not um mm-hmm. not based on on something right. else so right. uh and that, and that's just the risk you take. And, and also on the recovery, ETH and BTC are going to recover probably much faster than all of these other things will. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like how I play it. It's like you play in the risky stuff and it's not just risk based on market stuff. It's also risk based on the project. Like we know that BTC and ETH are going to stay around for a while, but a lot of these kind of other projects... Who knows if they're going to be around? Who knows if they're going to get traction? Who knows if they're actually going to be successful? And a lot of them haven't been. And a lot of them have been slaughtered because of that, um, in addition to the market turning down.
0: Yep, totally. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like the way that we should leave uh, listeners is that always, always long-term games Always, always play, play. position yourself like it's fun to play on leverage. I play on leverage. You, if you play on leverage, you have to position yourself in a way where you can still play the game even if you get punched in the face, right? So like you can Mm. take, you can take the loss, but if you're out of the game because you lost too big, then you're fucked. Um, You're allowed to, you're you're allowed to take an L, but you got to keep yourself in the game uh, because this is a long-term revolution. And so you can't count yourself out of the revolution because honestly, you only get it one time. Right? Like maybe you miss a 2017 bear market or a bull market and like that sucks because you only get one 2017 bull market, but you have this one. So like, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And I guess like even as a, as a broader thing, the, the kind of revolutions that we, we're seeing now within crypto... Is like a once in a lifetime thing or a once in a generation thing like the last one was the internet they seem to be happening much faster but when the internet was growing like i was a kid man like i, I couldn't experience this uh like i couldn't invest in companies i couldn't right. do anything like this mm-hmm. um so so now i'm not and i think a lot of people are in the same boat a lot of people missed out on the internet because they were just too young they hadn't even been born yet i mean think about it like if you some people were born like in in the sorry people were born in the year 2000 that are now like 22 years old 21 years old or whatever oh, that's um crazy. so when you yeah, it is crazy. But when you think about that, it's like, okay, well those people were literally born into the hype into you know, of the <laughs> dot com bubble. They didn't get to experience that at all. They were literally um, a product
0: then- of the bubble of people celebrating and having babies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So so from that perspective, all those people like get to enjoy this now and even like early like i was born in 92 so i mean you were as well i'm like around yeah exactly so yeah (laughs) but like for us you know in the year 2000 we were eight years old i wasn't worried about that i was worried about my pokemon games on you know game boy (laughs) i wasn't worried about the the dot com bubble i didn't even know about the dot com dot com bubble until i was like in my teens but Mm -hmm. so from that perspective yeah this is this is why kind of like uh it's a once in a generation thing or normally once in a lifetime thing so you make the most of it by playing long-term games right. and not blowing yourself up on leverage trying to capture some short-term wins
0: totally totally and i will take note that like if we do have DeFi summer round two or at slash d season round two with l2s that's a blessing because like we already had it once and like now we kind of know what to expect and so mm-hmm. that is also something to take advantage of anthony Thank you for coming on the Bankless Day. God, wow. The Bankless Daily Gway Friday weekly, sometimes weekly live stream. Here's the Daily Guay YouTube channel. I'll put it into chat. Give Anthony and his YouTube channel a follow there because he does stuff like this every single day. Uh, I listen to it on the podcast every single day, and it's where I get a lot of my information. Uh, and then we come and talk here and just kind of shitpost and have fun. Uh, and so thank you for tuning in. Uh, and Anthony, I will see you in a week. Yep. Yeah, thanks, everyone. See you later. Peace.